All right, have you ever been in a situation where you were anticipating a better future than your current present? Let me explain. Like, perhaps, perhaps you tried out for a sports team or a musical performance, and you're like, you're waiting for the callback. Or, or maybe, you know, you sized up your Christmas presents, and one of those presents is the right size and shape for that thing that you've been wanting. Uh, or, or, or maybe you have been recovering from an injury for months, and you were just so desperate for the doctor to give you that clean bill of health so you can get back to normal. If we were to put a, a name to the emotion we'd attach to those situations, it would be hope. Hope is anticipating a future that is better than your present, and it brings with it excitement and expectation, and hope is really essential for human life. It is what helps us plow through the hard times, which means that everyone, in some way, shape, or form, has hope. And that's actually a problem for us. Uh, if you were here last week, you might remember that we uh, started a three-week series on the distinguishing features of a Christian. The goal is to imagine that if we were to have a, a lineup, and we were trying to pick out who's the Christian in the lineup, what features would we be looking for? The reality is there's a lot of things that make a Christian a Christian, but when push comes to shove, the Bible frequently distills it down to three things, faith, hope, and love. Last week we looked at faith. This week we're focusing on hope as a distinguishing characteristic. The problem for us is that everyone has hope. So how can a universal characteristic also be distinct for us? And that's what we're looking at tonight. We're going to look at, biblically speaking, what hope is, why it normally isn't a distinguishing feature for us, and how we can grow in it. So what is hope? And, and a good place to start is the definition we've already used. Hope is anticipating a future that's better than the present. But if you think about it for a second, that's kind of broad, and it will quickly descend into wishful thinking. My guess is that most of you were watching the weather Monday night and you were hoping for enough snow so this school would be canceled, right? And what we really mean by hope in that situation is optimism, that we are simply focusing on the best possible outcome given the circumstance we're in. And there's absolutely no assurance that it will actually happen. But that's not really what the Bible is talking about when it refers to hope. So let's draw the distinction between worldly hope and, and, and biblical hope. And to do that, we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we look at verses 13 and 14. Uh, and they read like this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. No context. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers in the city of Thessalonica, which is in modern-day Turkey, and he is trying to explain to them what has happened to their fellow believers who have died which is the perfect scenario to talk about the difference between hope and optimism. See, you can be optimistic in a lot of situations. You can be a, a glass is half full type of person in, in a number of scenarios, except for death. See, death is final. If, in death, you are dead. There's no going back. There's no upside to that. And it brings with it 
a sense of hopelessness. I remember attending my grandfather's wife's funeral, and her whole side of the family just showed up completely drunk. And I just, I could not understand why they did that until later I realized, well, they're hopeless. Their optimism could do them no good. She's gone. And that was the only way that they could cope with hopelessness. See, optimism only gets you so far. But what Paul is talking about for the Christian is something different because hope for us doesn't rest on circumstances. It rests on a person. That's why Paul says that we should grieve differently because we believe that Jesus has died and rose again and that we will be like he is. Because death was not the end for him, therefore it is not the end for us. And so we can say that a hope that is uniquely Christian is an anticipation of the future that's not based on circumstances, but it's based on God's past faithfulness. In other words, to look to the future, to look forward, we actually have to look backwards. And when we do that, um, it will show up in our life as a sense of security and assurance. See, Christian hope does not mean that we do not grieve or that we won't be disappointed. Both of those things will happen frequently in your life. What it means is that there is a level of steadiness that comes to your life, even when life tosses you around like a rag doll, because your future is secure despite what you go through. So that's, that's Christian hope. And yet it's been my experience that, that a lot of Christians aren't always characterized by that type of hope. Certainly not to the point that it's a distinguishing characteristic. And so we have to ask the question, why aren't more Christians hope filled? And the answer is because we hope in the wrong things. We base our future on things that are unable to secure that future. Um, Now, you might be sitting there thinking, Caleb, that sounds a lot like what you told us last week when we talked about faith. And you are absolutely right. Thank you for remembering. Uh, There are a lot of similarities between uh, faith and hope, but here's the main difference. See, in life, there is you, and you relate to things differently as they come into your life. And there are three relationships that the New Testament writers are very interested in commenting on. One is your relationship with God. Second is your relationship with the future. And the third is your relationship with others. And so last week, we saw that our relationship, the way we relate to God is by faith. It's by trusting allegiance. This week, we're wrestling with the second question. How does the Christian relate to the future? And the answer is with hope. And so the the key question for us then when it comes to the future is, where's our hope? What thing am I looking to to make my future better than my present? And there are honestly a lot of options we could plug in here other than God. Uh, We could plug in significant people in our lives. Parents, teachers, coaches, uh, someday significant other. If if we just have them or their approval, then our future is good. Um, We could plug in significant events like making it to high school, going off to college, getting out of your parents' house and rules. 
We could plug in uh, significant items, like finally having your own cell phone or PS5 or whatever. All we're saying is we have different bases that we can build our, our hope, our anticipation for a better future on. And we think to ourselves that if we just have this thing, once, as long as this thing is in place, this circumstance, then our future will be better. But building our hope on these things is kind of like trying to build a Lego tower with small children. Now, if you've never had the privilege of building a Lego tower with small children, here's how it goes, at least my experience. You kind of start with like one brick, and then they just kind of take over. So they're just like piling stuff on. It's shooting out over here. It's going up. It's going all over the place. Very quickly, the tower cannot be sustained by the base. And so you're like, hey, we should rethink what we're building this on. Like, no, it's fine. It will stay. And of course, it falls over. And they are wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you can't help but think to yourself, well, of course, it's because you had the wrong base. It couldn't support the tower you were trying to build. And, and that's what hope in these things is like. Um, hope is, is the, the tower, well, our hope, the, the thing we're anticipating. And then our life is kind of like a tower that we build on top of it. And sometimes it will be able to stand a little bit. But eventually, as you put more and more weight on it, it takes up a larger and larger portion of your hope. It will come crashing down. And because the base is too small, it's not meant to support that weight, it will start showing up your li- in your lives in a few different ways. You may show up as anxiety. You become really anxious because there's no way to guarantee that your hope will actually come true. It's based on circumstances or, or, or fickle people or, or something like that. And so you will become anxious about the future and you will obsess over trying to bring what you want about it can also show up as, as anger. W- when something threatens to knock over your tower of hope, you will become so ferocious against that thing, it will scare you. Um, or it can show up in your life as despair whenever the tower comes crumbling down. And, and by that I simply mean that whenever your hope falls apart, it'll be very hard to move on because that was your life in a nutshell. And I think this is why Christians aren't always hope-filled, is because we've built parts of our lives on the wrong base. And, and, and so to correct that, to become a, a, a hope-filled people, we have to locate our hope somewhere else. And this is where our second passage in Romans chapter 5 helps us. So I'm in Romans chapter 5. Uh, We're just going to read verses 3 through 5 for now. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the Apostle Paul here is telling us that, that, reminding us rather, that our hope is not like the world's hope. It's not based on our circumstances. Even if suffering and hardship come our way, it's not going to knock over our tower. Uh, We won't be left uh, in shame. And that's possible because God has poured out his love for us. 
But you might have noticed that as reading those, it kind of feels like we entered the conversation halfway. Like Paul must have said something before to like make all that make sense. And he does. Verses one and two, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's a lot we can unpack there. Just Let's go macro for a second. Paul looks at how God has acted toward them in the past, sending Jesus to die for us, uh, to deal with our rebellion, to share everything that is his, etc. He looks back at God's past faithfulness, and he says, if this is how God has acted toward me, well, then my future must be secure, regardless of what suffering comes my way. And so the key to being characterized by hope is to actually frequently, frequently rehearse God's past faithfulness to you. You have to remember it. You have to mark it in your mind. You have to write it down. You have to, in a sense, memorize it. And so if we want to be people characterized by hope, then we need to find ways to rehearse God's past faithfulness so that we can look confidently to the future.